Welcome back to the Divorce Solutions Podcast, everyone. I'm Jamie West from Divorce.com, and uh, you can reach me at divorce.com.ca. And Tracy Miller's here, veteran family law practitioner from Miller Law and Mediation in Kitchener, Ontario. Tracy, good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to talk to you. Today, we're going to talk about the court system, the system, the Mm. big S, uh, by the numbers. And uh, you know what? You've been doing some uh, digging through Government of Canada numbers on our court system, and it's fascinating what we come up with when it comes to uh, family law in particular or civil law. And uh, it should give everybody listening to our podcast sort of an idea of you know, the demands that are on this system uh, day in and day out. Were you surprised by any of the numbers that you saw in the recent posting on the uh, Government of Canada website? You know, I was. I know you and I had been having a discussion about how overburdened the court system is and how long everything takes. So I just wanted to take a look to get some idea of what the numbers are. And the stuff I pulled up, which is, uh, as you said, on the government website, I mean, it says there's over 900,000 civil court cases active in the courts in 2019-2020. So the first thing to appreciate is there's civil cases and there's criminal cases. That's kind of the two broad categories. They're all in the court system. So we're only talking about civil, and you're talking about over 900,000 cases. Um, so that's on this the overall burden on the court system. That's and then huge. A, th- a third of those is family law cases, mm. right? Active family law cases. So that's like 300,000 plus family law, active family law cases. Like I just, I think that's staggering in terms of, of the number. Well, um, you would know better than anybody because you've been a, a, a lawyer for over three decades. So it, that, that, when it shocks you, it frightens me. <laughs> well, I, you, you know? Get, you know, you get very used to looking at it at a kind of a mac- micro level when you're practicing because you go in and go, oh, geez, if I set another court date, it's going to be mo- so many months down the line, or this is how yeah. long it takes to move cases through. But you don't normally take a step back and take a look at the at the system as a whole and just the kind of workload that these this system is trying to process. Right. And that's where that's the foundation of it all. That's where it begins. I mean, when you consider when you consider that fact, I mean, we'll jump into some of the uh, other interesting numbers here, too, about how people are represented, self-represented. Some are represented oh, by lawyers. Right. Yeah. Um, there's an increasing number of people that are not represented by lawyers or are representing themselves. We'll get in. We've talked on the show before about, you know, the benefits and you know pitfalls of that there aren't many benefits <laughs> by the no. way in case you're new yeah. to our podcast um and we're not here to shill for lawyers quite frankly but the, the reality is the fact is it's not a good idea to represent yourself in court if there's absolutely any other way to to do it but we'll get into that in a second um there's all kinds of other variables that fit into um, how your case ma- gets managed through the system as well. And it really all boils down to what people do. You know, lawyers are human beings, judges are human beings, litigants are human beings, and therefore uh, what goes on in our daily lives, our schedules, the our ways of communicating, our workloads and everything, that all factors into uh, the, the time of how long it takes to, to move through the system. But let's, let's go back and talk some more about some of these... Um, these numbers. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, you know, more people, according to these stats, are representing themselves uh, in court. 
Uh, not a good idea. Now, all bias aside, you're a lawyer, but <laughs> why is that not a good idea? You know, it's, I mean, not to try and sound arrogant about it, but it's just when you get people, especially in family law, you're dealing with emotionally charged issues. And it's very easy to get sidetracked onto what you think might be important, but it's completely irrelevant, right? And I think we had, a, when a podcast previously, we were talking about that, about um, if somebody had an affair and who slept with who and all of that type of thing. I get that that's incredibly important. Most of the time, it's going to be completely irrelevant. So you get people that uh, don't know exactly what's relevant on an issue. You don't know how to deal with the court forms. You don't know what the rules of evidence are because there's rules about what a judge can hear, what the evidence they're not supposed to hear. There's rules in place. It's not just a free-for-all where you can just file 200 pages of material and everything you ever wanted to say. And I think it starts to get bogged down. And a mm -hmm. judge isn't going to give you legal advice. They can't. The court staff can't for obvious reasons, right? How impartial is a judge going to look if they start explaining to you what the deficiencies yeah. are in your stuff and how you should do it differently? So it gets really time-consuming, right? And and it's not because, um, like, I think maybe people have good intentions. You just don't know what the process is. And there's a reason for rules of evidence, right? You can't just have a ton of hearsay in your material about what somebody else told somebody else that you happened to put in, there's rules that you have to abide by. Right. And lawyers go to school for a lot of years to learn uh, those rules back and forth. And they have uh, resource texts available to them at their fingertips and databases at their fingertips uh, all day long uh, to refresh their memories on things that maybe they're sticky on. Uh, but we don't. The lay person's got, dot, you know, uh, the lawyer called Google. Um, yeah. and, and, that's, yeah. and that's a dangerous thing. And I wonder if, I wonder if the uh, increase in the number of people representing themselves in, in court is somehow tied to the availability of information, whether that information is solid or not on the Internet, uh, or whether it's just that people don't, quote, have the money to pay for, for lawyers. I suspect, this is just me, I suspect that, I th that a lot of people watch a lot of television and yeah. they go on the internet yeah. and they think, it can't be that hard uh, to represent myself. <laughs> and they yeah. go into a court uh, hearing, a family court hearing, and they start talking about their, you know, their First Amendment rights and, and mm -hmm. things like that in Canada. Or alimony, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, the Constitution <laughs> of the United States does not, uh, you know, it does not, it's not how we're governed in Canada. So you, you don't get take my the fifth point. Up here, no. Right. No. You, get, you get my point, right? It, well, yeah. And when you read the stats that we were um, looking at today, and I thought it was even higher than that, but the one I'm looking at says, uh, 58% of people represent themselves, family law litigants. So it's over half. I think in part it's um, cost. I think the cost is really high for people. And, you know, when you start uh, ticking along at $800 an hour for two lawyers, I think people want to try and do it themselves. I think they, I think, believe they should be able to do it themselves. Um and it's like you said, I think there's certainly cases where, um, you know, I had to do one recently and I think, you know, the other person thought it was going to be a lot easier than it is. Right. And you start um, thinking you're going to tackle a hearing and then, you know, half of what you're saying is completely irrelevant. 
Yeah, and so, it's it's there. It's it's being naive uh, because, as you said earlier, you know, I say to people when I talk to them. Um, you know, when I, when I'm trying to help them navigate the system a little bit from a layperson's perspective and on communication and that kind of thing, I'll say to them, you know, go and go online and download some of those court forms. Don't, don't sit there and make assumptions about what they are and what they're asking for and how long they are and so on and so forth. Go on and download some of them, print them off and look at them. And you tell me if that's not intimidating. A lot well, of the I think time. the other thing is, it's like we have been, I think, talking about in a prior podcast, like if you're gonna talk, going to talk to a lawyer, go talk to one for an hour. Mm-hmm. So you have some idea of what the issues are. If you want to represent yourself, you can at least get some insight into, you know, what the issues are. And, and the one we had spoken about before is, is why I shouldn't have to pay child support or why that number's too high. You may fall into the category that it doesn't matter what you think. That's what you're paying. There's no argument to be had there, right? So you're going to file a ton of stuff and spend a whole lot of time, which is going to be sound like you're complaining over an issue that there's no discretion on, right? Right, exactly. And and that's really to the point. How much is your, you know, we talked about this in another podcast. It all ties to your stress level. It ties to the amount of time you're going to have to devote to it versus, you know, a lawyer who can be very efficient at getting a lot of things done very quickly. You, you, you know, don't get caught on the rate that a lawyer charges. Get caught on what the value uh, per hour uh, is. It's not about the rate. It's about the value that you get for, for the money. It sounds, again, it sounds like I'm selling lawyers, which, I, I, <laughs> well, I, I kind yeah. of am. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a full believer in in having good advocacy and good representation if you're going to go to court, which is the reason why we're doing what we're doing with this podcast and what you're doing with your work and, and mine, which is to encourage people to just not get into the system at all. Um, you know, every podcast, we're giving people a bit of information that suggests to them it's not a system you want to spend much time in. It's not no, a system it just is not. that you want to, uh, you know, get tangled up in because it, it tends to be uh, just that. It tends to be a bit of a, a, bit of a machine, um, you know. And- but one of the things I think that we were talking about before, and I keep going back to the child support issue because to me it's, it's usually the kind of the clearest one to deal with. Um, if you spend the time and go and talk to a lawyer, find out, if you have an argument at all, right? Find out, you know, what what kind of argument you would actually have if you were in front of a judge. And this is how you, you deal with things in terms of disclosure and what you send to the other side and all of that. If you don't want to retain somebody that's going to represent you throughout because you don't want to or it's not financially feasible, at least get some insight into, into what you need to do in this system. Because if you don't, it's just it's just going to get well, to be extremely frustrating for are, you. Aren't there some lawyers now that, that do breakout stuff? Like they'll not fully represent you, but you can, you can hire them to, I don't know, to fill out those complicated forms or uh, give you, you know, some services but not others. Does that, I, I think the, the law has changed so that people can do that. But how many of your colleagues are actually offering that? Well, it's like limited term retainers, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, you can get somebody that'll give you some type of a information about, you know, before you hit the courtroom and know what you have to know what the court dates are. It's the other one I've seen is people show up for court dates and they think there's going to be a decision made. And if you knew what the date was, nothing's happening, 
right? If you come to a first appearance, probably nothing's happening. It's just you're setting a date. Or expectations when you go to conferences. You know what that's like, right? You have to know they're not going to listen to you argue something at a conference, right? That's that's not what it's for. it's, It's a process and it's a system that most people really don't have a clue about. They make all kinds of assumptions about how it's going to be or how it should be. That's the worst assumption you can make because, (laughs) you know, the should part is, you know, a lot of times people are right. It should be like that. It should be like that. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But it isn't because it's, it's law and it's based on on law statutes and it's lawmakers that change statutes. And we all know how fast that happens. Like it just doesn't, you can't turn large ships like the court system around very quickly or or they're not agile. No, and this is where they're I cumbersome. Think, I sound like a I sound like a broken record, but this is where I think people need to really sit down and roll up their sleeves and come to the table and try and get this done without having to resort to going to that system. I think there's cases that belong in that system. I think especially some of the ones that are super high conflict um, or you have somebody that is just absolutely not going to do anything if they don't have some discipline involved with a judge that can hand out sanctions. There's cases that belong there, but I think there's an awful lot of them that just don't. Okay. We've got about it's a minute. Certainly min- not 300,000. Right. We've got about, a, we've got a minute here and I, I just want to touch on a, another number that kind of stuck out for me. And that was of, of the people that are, that are represented uh, by lawyers in their uh, family court proceedings, the majority of them seem to be represented by what are called legal aid lawyers. Have I got that right? I mean, that oh. seems to be the number. And if that's the case, what what exactly is a legal aid lawyer or a duty counsel for people listening? Somebody called a duty counsel, D-U-T-Y. Yeah, duty counsel, they have um, lawyers that are on site uh, that can give you some information. Um, they're not supposed to be, you know, handling your whole case and continually representing you, but they are there. They'll assist on that day um, if they can assist with with processing cases. Um, in terms of legal aid lawyer, I'm not. <laughs> I think that's more of a slang term than anything else. I think it's um, some lawyers do a significant amount of legal aid, and you know, a, a lot of lawyers don't. And um, you know, it goes to. It goes to, in a lot of ways, uh, legal aid. There's certainly, um, they have restrictions on how much time you can bill and the hourly rate that lawyers get is not the same if it's going to be on legal aid. Like, I mean, it's been forever since I did legal aid, to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can remember even at that stage of the game, it was significantly less. And, you know, the people are under a misconception with an hourly rate that that's just what you pocket and take home, which it's not. Of course not. No, it's like any profession. My yeah. kids have often said that, oh, my God, that's what your hourly rate. And I went, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> let, the let, gross hourly rate. Yeah. I got an office to pay for staff. I've got exactly. all my expenses. office, staff, insurance, expenses. all of that on stuff. On and on I mean, it goes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lawyer that just pockets and walks off with the hourly rate, yeah, right? Wouldn't that so, be great? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding, right? But like anybody that's a business owner, there's a very big difference between the gross income and what you actually walk away with, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting numbers. People can uh, go on to the uh, government of Canada, canada.ca, and, and you'll find it in one of the various menus there. Go into the system and you'll be able to locate all of these numbers. And they're very fascinating. They're very, yeah. they're very helpful in terms of uh, giving us some perspective on things. And uh, Tracy, how do people get a hold of you if they like to make contact it's uh, miller law and mediation you can find me on the net and uh, the email is tracy at miller-law.ca all right we always like to tell people that uh, uh, the information that we discuss here on the program is just for informational purposes your case is specific to your life and therefore you must seek out your own legal advice this is not legal advice this is not health advice this is not financial advice this is just a discussion so uh, make sure you uh, contact your own appropriate uh, professional um, uh, in your own case all right and uh, if you want to get a hold of me it's uh, jwest at divorcecom.ca uh, and uh, i can help you out with um, communication and getting a lay of the land and how to pick a lawyer, how to set up a criteria to pick somebody like a Tracy Miller out of the crowd to, to <laughs> <What>? hire. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time, Tracy. Appreciate yeah. it. Take care. Talk to you next time.